We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Bellato. If you noticed on that intro, did a little bit of a dull down on the welcome back. I heard a, I read a comment, so thank you first of all for leaving a review. It was a five-star review, so always going to get a shout-out for that on the iTunes that was, you know, stop yelling welcome into the mic. I don't know, I'm sorry, I, just, I guess I get too excited when I'm talking about the intro to this New York Giants football podcast. And so we're here today, Nick, we're going to break down the quarterbacks, we did a deep dive on Daniel Jones. The idea of this was, look, Jones needed a podcast on his own. And in this one, we'll talk a little bit about Jones in some ways in just comparison to Tyrod. But we're also going to talk about just the quarterback room in general, the quarterback depth, where the Giants are at there. Remember, going into the offseason, both Joe Shane and Brian Dabes said, we believe in having strength, having talent, having depth at quarterback two. Quarterback two is a position that will matter to the Giants from this point on. You can argue, you can debate if it matters to you. If it doesn't, I'm a believer in QB2. I'm just a specific believer in, and this may change if the Giants ever luck box into a quarterback that's elite, because during the Eli years, I don't think it was as important. But if you don't have anything settled at quarterback, or if you even just have, like in my mind, a Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr type at your quarterback position, I'm a believer in investing in QB2 because the whole objective is this thing is to find a quarterback who can win you Super Bowls on a consistent basis. So let's talk a little bit about the QB2 position, the quarterback in general. But first, before we do that, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing excellent, man. we got some Tyrod Taylor talk comparatively with Daniel Jones. What do you feel about Tyrod Taylor as your backup? Because I would say neither of these guys are fully proven. And just kind of going back, I didn't realize Tyrod Taylor hasn't played more than 200 snaps since freaking 2017. Yeah, he hasn't played a lot. I don't know how much of that is his fault. I think a lot of that is circumstance. I think last year <clears throat> he was in a tough situation because they wanted to move Davis Mills along for a lot of reasons. One, they drafted him. It was a new regime. Two, they're looking toward the future. They already ruled out of the playoffs by that point. And three, 
and probably first most and more uh most important of these all davis mills was impressive in practice and then in games davis mills was really freaking good last year i don't think people realize this for a rookie davis mills was good he had just as many if not the exact same excuses as all the other quarterbacks who get the excuses daniel jones whoever it may be look he had one receiver at best in brandon cooks injuries and bad play throughout the rest of that group really bad tight end group really bad running back group not as good as saquon barkley really bad offensive line play outside of laramie tunsell same thing the giants had outside of andrew thomas and yet despite it all he put together some pretty good numbers, Davis Mills, and looked pretty good on film. Even at that weird game where he found a way to torch a Patriots pass defense that nobody torches based on how they play. So I think part of the issue here for Tyrod last year was just he was kind of in a position where they needed to get Mills a look. And then if you look back earlier in his career, Baker Mayfield, similar type scenario there with Cleveland, even in Buffalo, a similar scenario, despite you know having them go on a pretty good win run. So I think for me, I just try to base it on the film with Taylor. And I did go back and watch his Houston games from last year. I didn't watch too much from Cleveland or Buffalo days. But when it comes to Taylor, I do think he's one of the high-end backups in the league. I guess when you're talking QB2, it doesn't reach the intro level of what I talked about, you know, discussing finding talent that could eventually be some kind of Super Bowl winner or something like that at quarterback. That probably won't ever happen at QB2. But at least if you give yourself talent there you have a chance to recover if you're in a good season and you get an injury at the position or if something else happens and let's say the Giants are playing really good football outside of the quarterback position this year well a change at quarterback might be able to spark them to get some wins so there are more options you have as a franchise when you upgrade QB2 and I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind he's an upgrade over Mike Glennon and to me it's an obvious upgrade over Colt McCoy I'd say it's an upgrade yes and I agree with the fact that I think he's a high-end backup in the league. I don't know if him and Daniel Jones are necessarily comparable, especially when you discuss Daniel Jones's upside and the potential of what he can be. Tyrod Taylor's name has been around for a while in the NFL, but as I said a little earlier, the only years he played over 178 snaps, which is what he played in 2021, was 2015 through 2017 with the Buffalo Bills. That was a long time ago, and I agree with you. I'm not saying that he came in and just flat out lost these jobs because I think each of his last three stops were unique circumstances that led to rookie quarterbacks stepping in and playing really well with Baker Mayfield, with Justin Herbert, and that had the medical malfunction and all of that as well. And then last year with Davis Mills. So I would agree with all that, but I know we mentioned on previous podcasts how this might be two two quarterbacks that are closely vying for the starting position or it could be like an open competition. I think this is more of it's going to be Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor is going to be Daniel Jones's backup unless Daniel Jones completely falls flat on his face or gets injured, which he has a propensity to do. So that's kind of where I'm at with this. And Tyrod Taylor also has a propensity to get injured as well. I think the Giants are in a much healthier spot than they were last year with Mike Glennon. I think they're in a much healthier spot than they were with Colt McCoy. But I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is an upgrade over Daniel Jones by any means. And also they're in a healthier spot at QB3, right? Like they don't have to go yeah. to another team's practice squad and pull a Jake Fromm type. They have Davis Webb, who obviously is not, you know, probably not an NFL level caliber, does have NFL level arm talent. A, a case can be made. He has the best arm talent on this roster, to be completely honest, or at least the best arm strength. I think the best arm talent would be an interesting discussion because I would argue that Tyrod Taylor has comparable, if not better arm talent than Daniel Jones. If you look at the tape, just because of his ability to throw off platform, something Daniel Jones cannot do. I don't think that makes him a better prospect because I think that, like you said, Nick, the ceiling for Jones is much higher because 
if he could ever get the processing part down, he has better mechanics up top and he's a better pocket thrower than Tyrod Taylor. But I think on the move, Tyrod Taylor is better arm talent. I think he throws a deep ball that's comparable from an arm talent standpoint, though maybe not a ball placement standpoint, which does work its way into arm talent. I think when it comes to evaluating Jones versus Taylor, it's more of a question not of if or what, you know, it's what they're going to do. They're going to give this job to Taylor Jones. There's no competition. They're not allowing this to be a competition. Um, you know, despite what we may have heard or despite what there might be some speculation on, this ain't a competition. This is Daniel Jones's job and Tyra Taylor's the backup. And I think he understood that coming into it, at least for this season. Like you said, that doesn't mean that's how it's going to be all season. To me, I think that for Daniel Jones to be considered considerably better than Tyrod Taylor, it's more of a banking on the upside. I think from what I've seen from Jones thus far, if you're taking, you know, if you're not factoring the, the the excuses that are considerably valid, like he hasn't had a good O line, he hasn't had a good receiver core, Daniel Jones, he hasn't had a, whatever, he hasn't had the good coaching, all those are valid. But just looking at the actual play there, I think Tyrod Taylor has some things that he's done considerably better than Daniel Jones throughout his career. I mean, it's not really much of a debate if you just Daniel Jones has been really bad on paper, right, Nick? Like, I know we think of him in this certain way. He can get to a certain level. He's shown these quote unquote flashes. But I feel like Tyrod Taylor has shown some flashes too, especially with his ability to throw downfield on the run, and especially with his ability to kind of take what's a muddy pocket and turn it into something on a scramble. A little bit different than Jones, who has more of the manufactured rushing yards. And kind of, in my mind, with his ability to take what's a muddy pocket scramble and then stay behind that po- uh, line of scrimmage and then throw the ball with better accuracy and velocity than Jones can when he's on the move. And all that, to me, wouldn't be the only deciding factor, Nick, but I just don't feel like Jones has really defined himself as much greater of a pocket passer. You look at all the numbers for Jones, he's near bottom of the league in every single category when it comes to never thrown for more than 3,100 yards, yards per attempt among the worst in the NFL. Uh, You know, anything you really look at with Jones, advanced stats or box score stats, and tape. It just hasn't been good. So for me, it's I think we're on different sides of this one, Nick. I I do believe just based on what you said, because I just feel like Daniel Jones hasn't proven anything at all except for being the sixth overall pick and then just random flashes that I do feel like Tyrod Taylor has had as well. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm some Daniel Jones homer because I'm not. I'm a realist with Daniel Jones. But I do believe you're underselling Daniel Jones a little bit and maybe putting Tyrod Taylor on a pedestal. I like Tyrod Taylor, but I don't necessarily see these two as fully comparable at the same time. And I mean, we can dive into the stats and Tyrod is better at some things. And I think you did a good job talking about his, I would call it smart scrambling. I think he's a better scrambling quarterback in terms of using his intelligence on when to scramble. And he also does a better job ducking and getting out of the freaking way, which is something Daniel Jones needs to do a better job with. We haven't seen a lot of Tyrod Taylor. Like, like I said earlier, man, like we, we've heard his name a lot recently. But this guy hasn't thrown for over a thousand yards in a season since that 2017 season. He's only done it three times in his career since 2011. And I didn't necessarily know that. Like, I always thought he was a little bit more of a productive quarterback, but it was really just those Buffalo years. And ever since then, it's just been like, ho hum, I'm bouncing around from team to team and I'm not playing all that often. When you go through his film and I've watched his tape, yes, you're right, he does have flashes, but he also has plays where he's missing throws, where he's throwing prematurely, where he's leading receivers way too far, where he overthrows the ball, where his touch isn't quite as adept as someone like Daniel Jones. I don't think Daniel Jones is far ahead of him. And I think you are right that John Mara and the Giants are going to give this job to Daniel Jones. It's a quote unquote open competition with a little bit of quotations. I don't view Tyrod Taylor as 
necessarily right there with Daniel Jones either. I think he is maybe slightly behind Daniel Jones. Yeah, I would say he's slightly behind Daniel Jones. I think that's fair. Um, again, it's not like so slightly behind in, in what sense? Because I think Daniel Jones is the much better option for quarterback considerably, as you as you kind of alluded to earlier, because of the upside. But I think for me, it's less of what Tyrod Taylor has done and more of what Daniel Jones hasn't done. Daniel Jones has been really, really bad these first three years. I know people hate to admit it. I know the fans don't want to hear it. I understand there are reasons for it. But the fact of the matter is, in every aspect of the game, Daniel Jones has not been consistent. He, Like we said yesterday, he's had three, three instances throughout his entire three-year career where he had two touchdown passes or more in consecutive games. That's next-level bad type stuff. Never threw for over 3,100 yards in a season. And I think that he also misses as well. I don't think he's some quarterback that you get him in a pocket, you give him the clean pocket, he's standing, he sets himself, and he puts the ball on on you know in the right spot every time. And we talked about this a lot yesterday. We were breaking down his trade and we were doing the deep dive. You talked about all the throws you saw him miss on tape. I see the same things. So I feel like they're just comparable in the sense that both aren't really the most accurate quarterbacks. Both are okay from the pocket at best, I guess I would say. I think Jones does some things better as far as deep accuracy. I think Jones does some things better as far as ripping those deep digs that we talked about and those tight window throws. I think you can even argue that Jones might be a better tight window thrower from the pocket than Tyrod Taylor. But there are also, again, some things that Tyrod does better. He's better as just a pure broken play type of guy. He's better off schedule. He's better throwing off bounds. I went through a couple games last night with Tyrod. I watched the Miami game, which was probably his worst game last year. He was blitzed a lot and and the pressure kind of got to him. He had a play against Miami. And I also watched part of the Tennessee game. And there were two plays that really stuck out in the Miami game. It was in the third quarter. It was like a second and short play. Tyrod Taylor had, it was, I think Danny Amendola streaking down the field on this really well-designed play by the Texans. He had a wide open touchdown. He was throwing on the run. It was a move the pocket type of play, roll out, and he just overthrew and threw the ball out of bounds. And this was going to be an easy touchdown. And then he had one against Tennessee that was somewhat similar, wasn't as egregious as that. So the the throwing on the run was something that I kind of had a understanding about Tyrod Taylor, but then, and again, I didn't watch his whole season or every snap of his. So he probably has plays where it was pretty good, but in the Miami and the Tennessee game, he had plays that stuck out that if Daniel Jones made him, we would have been crushing Daniel Jones. If he made these, these egregious throws on the run and Tyrod showed that now earlier in his career, I, I do remember him back in his Buffalo days, man, he was gunning, man. He was running and he was slinging the ball down the field and it was really impressive. But last year I didn't really see that in the limited amount of snaps that I did see yesterday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, he's not going to be the same player he was early in his career, and you could just see it. We'll go over the numbers soon, but you could just see it. The ball placement has definitely waned. I think you can make the case that Jones, I, I think Jones is a better option for the Giants. I think he's a better quarterback. I want to make that clear right now so people don't say otherwise. I just think that Jones has not proven enough to be considered completely honest, a considerably better option than anyone but the Glennon types as backups right now. I just think it's, it's, I know this is viewed again as like hater type talk, I guess. I just don't know why. I feel like if this guy was drafted in the third round, no one would think this because you look at what he's done through three seasons and it's arguably unbelievably bad type stuff, like bottom of the league, bottom two to three to five type quarterback type production. And it's not just dependent on the supporting cast because you look at Tyra Taylor in that Miami game, they're completely outmatched the Texans. They don't have any options on the outside at wide receiver whatsoever. They have no run game at all. The O-line's terrible except for Tunsil. And this is a situation that it's not like Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor is the only quarterback to ever play with nothing around them. So I just feel like the consistency hasn't been there at all for Jones. So to me, there is a scenario where Jones is really struggling. They go to Tyrod Taylor and they get some kind of spark. I just, to me, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. And that's not necessarily what I perceive the the conversation a little bit ago. Cause I could see if Daniel Jones does, struggle. I anytime you insert a veteran quarterback or even have any type of quarterback change, we've seen this with rookies as well, it can provide a spark. And I think Tyrod is fully capable of doing that. I was just talking about on an even plane both of these quarterbacks with no momentum going forward or any anything that has to do with anything that's happened quite yet. Like going into 2022, what right. are we looking at? That's how I was kind of evaluating it. But I think you are right. If Jones does struggle, having Tyrod back there rather than Colt McCoy or a Mike Glennon or a dope like that is much better. I mean, when's the last time we had a quarterback that you're as excited about as a backup? Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, you didn't, you really didn't need one during the Eli days. That was part of the part of the thing. He was so consistently on the field that it wasn't important. And then after that, they just didn't have, they didn't invest in the position at all over the last few regimes. Um, but I guess I want to pull it back because I do think you're right, Nick. I, I, I I don't feel that, you know, as you look more into Tyrod and we'll go over the stats in a moment again, I've, preface that but we will and i and i think about kind of i was just looking through some of the notes i had when i first watched him when they first signed him his ball placement is definitely a concern and it's and really from within the pocket i am definitely concerned with his ability to play so i don't want to say like he's any kind of lock to give them a spark or anything like that but i do feel like his ability out of structure is interesting i feel like his his ability to pick up yards out of structure is interesting there's it kind of goes about it in a different way than jones even though jones has arguably, if not more, I want to say ability in the open field as a runner. Tyrod goes about it in a little bit of a different way, a little bit of a smarter runner, I think. Well, definitely a smarter runner. That's obvious. Jones has fumbled a lot on his runs and he's gotten hurt a lot on his runs, but yes. a little bit of more savvy runner, I guess I would say like kind of somebody who can create when it's not obviously there from a rushing standpoint, from a scramble standpoint and, and things of that nature. And so it's an interesting question. Like if there was an open competition, there's not going to be, this is Daniel Jones's job, even though, you know, Emory hunt was saying he was at train, he was at OTAs and he was saying that the, that the giants teammates kind of flock to Tyrod Taylor. And he thinks it's going to be a situation where Tyrod becomes a quarterback. I don't necessarily, necessarily think he can gauge that. I love Emory's work. There were a lot of people who came at Emory for that comment. 
Um, obviously, anytime you talk negative about Jones, there's a lot of people are going to come at you. But I just and I like Emery's work a lot. I think he does unbelievable coverage on the draft and in season. And he's really good with college football. But I feel like you can't glean any of that from OTAs. Again, I, I really feel like OTAs are just a glorified installation process, especially when you have a new coaching staff in place. And so like the, the flocking to the teammates type of thing and that who knows that's maybe he's seeing that, but I feel like that's also hard to glean just from being a media member at OTAs. Uh, but this isn't going to be an open competition. If, if, if Tyrod plays this year, it's either because Jones gets hurt or because Jones falls flat on his face and the rest of the giants are doing well, because I even think if the, if the giants just can't get it together this year, their roster's too young. There was too much turnover. They're not a good team outside of the quarterback position, like independent of the quarterback, Nick, I still think they should stick with Jones because I still think the more, the, the better, the, the larger the sample size is the easy, you know, it's easier for us to make a decision going into next year. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Now, in terms of signing Jones long-term, that's a conversation for another day. But we brought this up, and I think we should go through the stats of Tyrod and, and and Daniel Jones. One thing that you mentioned, the savvy scrambling, that's something I saw several times throughout the Tennessee and the Miami game. There was a play – there were several times against Miami where like Tyrod would take a sack or there was a negative play, a penalty, and then Tyrod would get like 10 yards, 4 yards, 9 yards on scrambles to set up third manageable situations. He had a 5-yard touchdown scramble against Tennessee. He's very, very smart. He knows when to roll out, and he understands his athletic ability, and he knows how to not take hits. So that's one thing I really appreciate about Tyrod Taylor. And if we want to go through the accuracy from last year, so I went through Pro Football References database – the bad throw percentage from 2021, Daniel Jones was had 18.4% of his throws were considered bad throws according to their charting. That was 12th worst in the league. Tyrod Taylor was, was pretty bad. And I saw that in Tennessee and Miami in certain occasions. He was at 22.1% of his throws, which was second worst. But when you organize it and like click and try to try to categorize it. He doesn't come up because he doesn't reach the threshold of playing, I guess, enough snaps or enough dropbacks. But the most bad throws percentage from last year was Zach Wilson at 23.8%, then Justin Fields at 21.9%. Tyrod Taylor was 22.1%. So he would have figured to be the second in terms of being inaccurate and not placing the football where it needs to be. Yeah, and those are good numbers. When I, when you when we kind of went over them, I was like, you know, this gives me a different opinion of, especially because you got to consider it in the context of 2021 was by far and away Daniel Jones's worst season, right? So if you look at the other seasons Jones has produced, 2019, even 2020, he was a different kind of quarterback. He was better in all regards almost. It was almost across the board. So obviously Taylor probably trending in the in the opposite direction as a quarterback, though. It, it is definitely fair to consider what he had around him in Houston because, you know, everybody talks about how bad the Giants supporting cast was. I don't know that Houston's was any better. Yeah, especially in the receiver position. You have Brandon yeah. Cooks. Brandon Cooks is a really good receiver. But then the secondary receiving options, you don't really have a primary tight end. Brevin Jordan was a rookie. Then you have the Jordan Aikens of the world and, and Farrell Brown. And then what? Nico Collins, the kid from Michigan, and Danny Amendola. And like those are these receivers you're working with. So I do believe those excuses are valid, but you can apply similar excuses with Daniel Jones. Right. The on target percentage, Daniel Jones ranked 18th best in the league with a 76.1% on target percentage. Tyrod Taylor was 34th in only those six games with a 69%. So you could see from an accuracy standpoint, Daniel Jones has a, a solid edge. Now that was in a clean pocket. 
Now, just in terms of pressure, now this is just his pressure percentage. When they're under pressure, this is a collective stat for the offense. Daniel Jones was had a 23.3% pressure percentage, 17th most. Tyrod Taylor was under pressure a little bit more. That's 27%, and that was tied for six with Russell Wilson. So I just kind of wanted to, to bring that up in terms of on-target percentage and pressure percentage, just how much under pressure they are. I, I feel like Tyrod Taylor, after I watched the Miami game, yeah, he was under pressure a lot in that game. He was also under pressure a solid amount against the New York Jets from what I remember when I watched him when the Giants signed him. Yeah, exactly. And you, you nailed that, uh, obviously, Nick. And as far as other stats that stand out versus Tyrod, uh, you know, Tyrod versus Jones in 2021, what else do you have? What else did you dig up? Yeah, so we have the under pressure percentage. So this is his throwing. And something that I did appreciate about Tyrod Taylor, and it did seem to bear out in the statistics as well and on the film, was he he would target down the field when pressure was coming. He would you know go big or go home. He had that type of mentality. He averaged 6.8 yards per attempt when he was under pressure. And that ranked eighth in the league. And that's significantly more, I would say, than Daniel Jones, who was at 5.4 yards per attempt when he was under pressure. Tyrod at 6.8, that's around Tua, Jimmy G, just behind Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Daniel Jones at 5.4, that was actually tied with Tyrod Taylor's teammate, Davis Mills, for 27th in the league, just ahead of Justin Fields, and then two quarterbacks who are unlikely to be heard of around this area, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. But my, my thought process as to why those guys have such low yards per attempt when they are under pressure is because they can quickly process where the pressure is coming from when they're under pressure pressure there's a lot of time there's a blitz so they can find the hot receiver and then they just get rid of the ball one thing i want to talk about a couple things with tarad that stood out to me as far as when i was crafting the idea that look there's a chance he could come in as a spark plug there's a chance he will provide the giants at least for next year with a similar production profile to daniel jones the two things that stood out were what i talked about earlier which was tarad's ability to be that smart scrambler. I think you 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 put these stats out there. He ranked eighth in the league in yards per scramble. That's when a pocket's broken down, which happens often. What are you able to do with it? 9.9 yards. Daniel Jones had just 6.4 yards in these same scenarios. So very different kind of players when the pocket breaks down. I think Tarad just seen it more. He's been in it more. And he just know. And, and I think, again, he's just a little bit uh, more of a uh, elusive kind of you know, yes. squeak, squeak by type runner when he's in those tight spaces in the pocket. So I think he stands out there. And then the other key to me is just his stats under pressure and then his stats when blitz. We talk a lot about this yesterday in the Daniel Jones deep dive. But when it comes to Tyrod, he has a different mindset for when he's pressured or when he's blitzed, I think at least, than Daniel Jones. And it's borne out in the yards per attempt. Again, what did we say last last podcast? What did I say? I never got confirmation on, on your thoughts on it, but from everything I've heard from evaluators, yards per attempt is by far and away the most sticky stat, but also not just sticky. This is far the most telling stat for a quarterback. It's as far as all the like traditional stats goes. Throw out quarterback rating. Throw out all the garbage ones. And you take the yards per attempt, and it's a really easy way to see if quarterback's producing how he needs to for you. And under pressure, Terod Taylor averaged 1.4 yards more per attempt than Daniel Jones last season. 6.8 per attempt. Jones was just 5.4 per attempt. Taylor had the eighth highest under uh, yards per attempt under pressure. Jones was 27th best. Um, and then you look at when blitzed, Taylor 
didn't complete, you know, had a lower completion percentage on blitz. Again, Daniel Jones had his highest adjusted completion percentage ever last year, but a lot of it was just check down type stuff when blitz and just throw to, you know, that's based on the offense as well. But Terod Taylor averaged 8.6 yards per attempt when blitz seventh best in the league versus Jones at 6.5 per attempt, 28th best in the league. So big time differences from Taylor and Jones when it comes to ability to create as scramblers when a pocket's broken down and then ability under pressure and when blitzed to create some actual yards from the play and not just kind of check it down or get rid of the football quick. He's not tentative at all in terms of, okay, the blitz is coming. I do not have a lot of time. I have a one-on-one matchup downfield and the Texans ran a lot of horizontal deep crossing routes. So he would throw that ball. He would try to throw with anticipation. A lot of times it was a little bit inaccurate to the intermediate and deep portions of the field, but he wasn't just going right to his check down right away. That that wasn't what Tyrod Taylor was consistently doing. It's not like he is, not, it's not like he can't like he could process it. And yeah, there were plays against Miami. Like, I remember he took a, a 10 yard sack where he didn't calculate that there was going to be a weak side pressure and he had no idea it came the guy. He didn't throw hot on this one, but like I said, and I don't want to hold that against him because I'm sure that he can, he just didn't pick it up this one time, but Tyrod Taylor, man, and the stats bear this out. You see it on the film. He will throw deep. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. He had a couple picks in that Miami game one, he threw deep into the back of the end zone and Javon Holland undercut it for an interception while he was getting hit. He was under severe pressure. Again, I think he was blitzed like 26 times when he dropped back to throw against the Miami Dolphins. Without a doubt. And that goes maybe into what we were discussing as well yesterday or on the last podcast, which is part of that is system-based. Part of that is coaching-based. Part of that is maybe having Pep Hamilton there and just having, you know, that coaching staff in place. They were more aggressive when, when he was blitzed, but to me, it's something I've seen from Taylor throughout his entire career. It's something I've appreciated from Taylor throughout his entire career, even if the arm talent has waned a bit as we move forward. So let's bring this all back around before we kind of wrap up with some t- discussion about Davis Webb. And let's say this. The title of this podcast is going to be Daniel Jones or Styrod Taylor. Is it even worth discussing? So I'll say that. Is it even worth discussing in a perfect world? Let's say this wasn't a job that was just getting handed to Jones. Do you think that it's worth discussing? I think it's always worth discussing for the for the reasons you brought up earlier, which is Daniel Jones hasn't shown an extended amount of time where he is a consistent and reliable quarterback. So I think it's worth a discussion. But ultimately, I think Daniel Jones should be the starting quarterback of this team, which obviously is not a hot take by any means. This is, again, level playing field. I think Daniel Jones gives the Giants a better chance to win right now than Tyrod Taylor. Week one comes around, Daniel Jones falls on his face. Week two, he starts rough. You have Tyrod Taylor to rely on a much better situation than the Giants have found themselves in in the last couple seasons. So that's where I'm at with the situation. But I always think discussions should at least be had unless there is a clear cut. I can't fully say Daniel Jones is clear cut better than Tyrod Taylor. I do think he is better. And I think there is a little bit of a gap there. But like, as you said, Dan, Daniel Jones hasn't necessarily proven it consistently. Yeah. And then coming around after discussing it and fleshing it out with you and having kind of a better scope and better overall perspective, in my mind at least, of where I'm at with it, I would say this. In a perfect world, in an open competition, first of all, I will say this. Now, let me start by saying this. Daniel Jones should be the starter. Long term, there's no value in starting to Rod Taylor over Jones. In my mind, this is not a Super Bowl roster outside the quarterback position right now. It's obvious they just completely rebuilt their roster and they revamped them. They took on a whole lot of dead cap so with all that said 
the value of getting Tyrod Taylor to grind out a season for you that might lead to like nine and eight or something like that, and maybe grinding out a seventh card wild card spot is not worth it, even if I did feel he gave the Giants a better chance. But overall, I don't see the gap. I guess that you said there might be a gap. I don't personally see the gap right now between these two players as far as what they've done so far. That doesn't mean that Daniel Jones doesn't have a much better chance to become a much better quarterback this year than what he's been on film and throughout his career and throughout the stats and throughout the production in this new offensive system. And that also doesn't mean and Tarod's not going to take a step back, just being an older quarterback um, and things of that nature. But an argument can be made, in my mind at least, that Tarod Taylor on an, on an even level playing field could give the Giants a better chance to win than Daniel Jones. I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying he does. I think the argument could be made. He's clearly a better, to me, he gives them more um, on plays outside of structure. To me, he gives them more on plays that break down. But the whole idea is we want to find the Giants with a consistent dearth of plays that aren't outside of structure, right? You win in the NFL inside structure. You need, I think Jones is still probably the better pocket passer. But overall, just specifically talking about this, I just, I don't really see the, I'm hoping, again, these flashes can turn into consistency, Nick. But I think from an outside perspective, Jones has been really, really bad through three years. I think if you ask any of the other fans of any other team, if you don't go by fans, if you ask the analysts of other teams, they won't really view him the way we're kind of viewing him. They view him more of, wow, this guy's been really, really bad. I mean, some of the stuff I talked about earlier is alarmingly bad stuff. We're talking about like 3,100, never topping 3,100 yards is crazy numbers for three seasons, right? Not good. Yeah, and just the yards per attempt, just everything that he's put on film, the red zone offense, really just the the inability to have any kind of consistency. So the case can be made to me that there's not a, a lot of a drop-off, and there are some areas that really Taylor stands out more as doing better than Jones, the ones we talked about earlier, the scramble ability, the throwing on the run, and and, and kind of the ability to kind of keep your eyes downfield when pressure is coming instead of you know relying on those underneath stuff. And I just don't know for sure if I have too many areas where I'm like, you know what, Daniel Jones is definitely that much better than Tyrod Taylor. I think he could be, but we just haven't seen it yet, right? So to me, it's worth having a discussion, but ultimately the move is certainly to go with Jones as the Giants have decided to. But again, I will not be surprised at all if we get to a point in season where Jones is hurt or struggling and Tyrod comes in and people are like, oh my God, the Giants offense is actually moving the ball. Yeah, hopefully Daniel Jones can move the football. <laughs> but yeah, this I is not an not ideal scenario. Surprised. This is just some, and I'm not I saying know. I want this to happen. This is just, how can I be surprised? Right? Like, I think it's unfair for anyone to sit here and say, I would be surprised if that happens because through three years, Jones hasn't moved the football consistently at all. He's and that's where I think, and that's where I think you have a good point right there. I, I think that's a, I think that's something that maybe giant fans should look at. I think Again, Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, the offense, but all of those, the, the lack of healthy weapons, all of those are valid excuses, but Daniel Jones hasn't proven it. And that's what it all comes down to. And I'll sit here and I, like I said earlier, I think Daniel Jones is the better option. I think he is a step above Tyrod Taylor in a, in a lot of aspects and throwing the football deep, deep accuracy, touch over the middle of the field and things like yeah. that. 
But as we said earlier, there are things Tyrod still does better. Like I said, I saw plays that I did not like of him throwing on the run, but there was also this one play against Tennessee where he totally contorts his body and throws across the field and hits the receiver in the back shoulder for a first down. And you're like, well, I don't see Daniel Jones making that play. So you know Tyrod at least has the capability of contorting his body and throwing off platform all awkwardly and actually putting it where it needs to be. Might not be consistent all the time, but Tyrod has that. Tyrod has the experience. Tyrod is a veteran quarterback who probably will be a very popular player in the locker room that people can rally around. Not that Daniel Jones isn't, but Tyrod has been around a little bit, man. Tyrod has great personality. All of these things we have heard about Tyrod Taylor from his time at other places around the NFL. I think that can also help him when he's on the football field. At the end of the day, I would put I would say Daniel Jones, like I said, but I don't think you're being unreasonable by saying, hey, at some point, Tyrod Taylor can step in and provide a spark because that happens a lot around the NFL. Yeah, for sure. And again, I'm taking Jones over over Taylor, but it's traits based for me. It's why I want Jones. Like you mentioned some of the traits he does better, but from what he's actually done, taking the traits out of it, that's where my that's where the whole idea for me of, you know, Tyrod could potentially come in and give them a better chance to win the game than Jones comes from. And again, if you think that's unreasonable, I would argue that you are looking at this a little bit from a Homer standpoint, because quite frankly, he hasn't done it through three years. I know there's every excuse in the book for why Jones has been so bad, but the production has just never been there for him. And at times, Tyrod Taylor has produced. At times, Tyrod Taylor has won football games. These are things we haven't really seen on a consistent level. No, not haven't really. We haven't seen on a consistent level from Jones. And we have to all accept that reality because it's the truth. And that doesn't mean that he can't really take a huge step in year four because he, can, I, I, we hope he can with Jones. But, you know, I'm just not so certain that that's going to happen. And I will ask you this as long as we're on this debate. How do you feel about how Brian Dable and Joe Shane view this quarterback situation? Like what if you had to get guess that what their mindset is here, what would be your guess? Not just this quarterback competition, but their thoughts on both Jones and Taylor moving forward. I think they probably view it like Daniel Jones is going to get the first crack. We're going to have a quote unquote open competition, but Daniel Jones really needs to fail in order for that to actually be a real competition. I think they view Daniel Jones as possibly a bridge quarterback, possibly a long-term solution dependent on what he does in this offense. I think Daniel Jones is the number one guy, though, but I think they look back at Tyrod and say, well, you know, Daniel Jones gets injured, or if Daniel Jones doesn't work, we now have that guy in place who we all have faith in and who is a consummate professional who can step in and run this offense as well. He's athletic, so if we don't have to change the offense too much if they do maximize or attempt to maximize Daniel Jones's athletic ability. So I think they're happy with the fact that they have a competent backup quarterback in place, but I think he is in their mind, the backup quarterback. Yeah, that's fair. I think for me, um, from my standpoint, I don't think this is going to be an open competition at all. I don't think they're going to allow these two to compete. I think they're giving the job to Jones and Jones is going to be their quarterback. Unless again, like you said, he completely falls flat on his face, but to be quite frank, he has in a lot of ways fallen flat on his face through three years, with the exception of like a high touchdown total in his first year. Um, but looking at all like the, if you look at the film and the advanced numbers and even the regular box score numbers, um, outside of the touchdown total, he was not great as a 2019. He was not, it was a rookie season. So he gets that excuse, but he wasn't really great that year either. Um, from that standpoint. So he'll get the job, but for me, if I had to guess right now, Nick, and if I had to just guess what was going on in their minds, I don't think they're committed at all to Jones long-term. That's going to be my opinion. I'm going to stick with it. I think they just don't view him as a long-term solution at the quarterback position. I think if they did, they might've picked up that option. 
to be completely honest with you. I think that that people have shooed it off as like, ah, whatever. They're not going to do it. He's been injured. But if they really watch the tape and they're like, this dude is really freaking good. We just think he's been screwed by his team around him. I think they would have picked up that option. I think you're 100. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I don't know why anybody would feel like they're committed long-term to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has to prove it. Even if Daniel Jones had better tape in his first three seasons, this is a totally different system that might not mesh well with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones doesn't have that tape really that he can rely on. Yes, there are flashes and everything, but I'm talking about at a consistent level. So yeah, I think you're 100% right. Yeah, and we'll have to see how they feel about him after this season. But I just think the discussion about Jones has been really interesting among fans. I've never seen anything like it with any any player at any position ever. Just because, you know, he's he's it's I've just never seen a player go this long without producing on a consistent basis and yet still be viewed by a lot of people as this is the long-term solution. He's just been screwed. They love him. They'll see. He's gonna break out. You'll see, type of thing. I just it's been the first time ever since covering this team or really dating back to since when I was a fan. And I know there's been a lot of discussion like, oh well, Eli really took a while for Eli to get going, right? He had 04, 05, 06. But in those moments, in those first three years, the two differences, at least for me, are in those first three years. One, Eli had flashes. He had big-time moments in big-time spots that Jones just hasn't been able to come up big in. He's actually gone the opposite way, and we talked a little bit about that uh, yesterday, but he's gone kind of the, the negative way, the south way in big-time moments. Two, um, when it comes to Eli, it was a different error as far as the numbers go. When you just compare the stats, you can't compare stats from the 04, 05, 06 range to the, to the 2020s. They just don't compare. The, the rules are different. But the most important one for me, Nick, as it always will be, they weren't comparable at all as prospects, Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. Eli Manning, I watched, I, luckily, Nick, it's been fun. I've seen two random Eli Ole Miss games in the last month. So uh, one of my channels on, it's really funny, but on I don't have cable anymore on one of my TVs, the TV that I watch in my room. And I just have like the Samsung TV and I use streaming services. And so they just have this like Samsung basically cable type service where they just have random channels. And my default is the sec network for some reason. So I just always now get to see random Eli Ole Miss games. And you just watch Eli at Ole Miss. First of all, he commands the huddle and he commands that entire team in a way that you could just tell watching him. Like this is that dude. This is that quarterback. He's also super big. Like he's built in the lower half and the, and that's not to say Daniel Jones isn't big, but he's, really got a commanding presence. And then he just rips the ball, man. Like the arm talent from Jones and Eli and watching Jones at Ole Miss versus, I'm sorry, Eli at Ole Miss versus Jones at Duke. They're just not comparable at all. They're really in no way, shape or form comparable from an arm talent standpoint, in my opinion, just from even a ball placement standpoint, but especially a velocity tight window throw type standpoint. And Eli just comes up with big throws and big spots there at Ole Miss all the time when I'm watching him in these games. And he did it for the Giants, too. So the key thing for me, why I just feel like that argument of, well, Eli was bad for his first three years and we, we didn't want to get rid of him. And what, what would happen if we got rid of him? It just wasn't the same level of bad A, and more importantly, it's just nowhere near the same kind of prospect. No, I don't think they're comparable in terms of being prospects. Eli Manning was universally loved by a lot of people coming out of that draft. Now, early on in his career, a lot of people kind of turned him into a punching bag because Peyton Manning was Peyton and Eli was Eli, but Eli sure put egg on a lot of people's faces after winning his first Super Bowl and then doubled down and won another Super Bowl. And further poured egg all over people's faces, which was amazing. But I will say this just to end the Tyrod Taylor conversation. If Tyrod Taylor, and I haven't watched the game in a while, but I want to go back and watch it. If Tyrod Taylor can play like he played against Jacksonville in week one, then you really have a conversation on your hands because 
I remember watching that game with the Giants signed. Well, I remember when it happened. And then when the Giants signed Tyrod, I went through that game. He had uh, this like 50 yard pass to Brandon right. Cook downfield yeah. where he like evaded somebody in the pocket. I think that was like towards the end of the second quarter. So there's a lot of things going on. And he just heaved this ball and hit Brandon Cooks in stride on third down. And there were a lot of plays throughout that game. He threw this one uh, pass to Farrell Brown over the middle of the field where Farrell Brown like kind of caught it with one hand, but it was a heavy blitz from Jacksonville. And he just got knocked to the ground as he was releasing the football. If he can play like he played in week one, that's a different quarterback than, than what I saw from a lot of the other games that I saw in 2021. Yeah, without a doubt. And so we'll see what happens. Anything on Davis Webb before we wrap up? I think we should just say Davis Webb being with Brian Dable and being with Joe Shane last year knows this offense. I think he is a good addition for Daniel Jones just to help him along with the offense, the terminology, all the verbiage, all that crap. And we all know Davis Webb loves to use his cannon and throw the ball during preseason. So I'm excited to watch Davis Webb in preseason. Yeah, me too. I want to see his arm talent as well showing off a little bit and kind of what he's learned and how he's far he's come. All right. Conclusion being, we both want Daniel Jones to start. We both think Daniel Jones is the best option by far. Um, but we feel better about this quarterback room and the depth that we've than we've had. And for me, it's really the best, the the deepest room they've had since I've become a fan, which is crazy to think about. But definitely the truth. All right, thanks to everyone again for tuning in and listening. More previews to come. We're gonna get to some other positions coming up. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.